Welcome to Soul Traders, a podcast for photographers and freelancers who dream big and work hard. I'm Bo, a photographer and mentor. And I'm Amy, a content writer and marketing coach. Hey, Amy. Hi, Bo. How have you been going this week? Haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel I'm really good. I'm energized. Lots of interesting projects in the mix. What about you? Well, that's good. Um, I have been sort of thrown back into work. I've had like a, after the whole COVID thing, it was like a damn wall sort of broke. And I've been totally in some, a combination of happy to be back at work, you know, a little bit overwhelmed and, Mm. you know, just some intensity, I guess, around yeah, social media stuff with the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. I found it really I found it really complex managing some of the, my feelings around being extremely supportive of the movement and then this sort of weird performative wokeness that was happening on social media. It really did my head in. So I actually ended up um, taking a break from social media for a week, which was really a good thing to do for my brain. And it gave me a little bit of a chance to, I guess, turn a few cogs in my own brain about how I might, what I can learn from this movement, what part I have to play in it, um, without feeling like I'm adding to the noise. So that's been interesting, actually. So just taking pause, basically, which, you know, felt dicey because there was also this element of like, oh, silence is condoning things. Um, and, you know, that was absolutely not what my um, sense was. Actually, pausing and adding something useful to the conversation, I think, has been one of the most I guess it's been a bit of a fine line. I'm, you're probably the same with, I don't know, the people that you're on socials with as well. So, yeah, uh, I found it oh, weirdly. I, I just watched all of that with, you know, with dismay uh, and, you know, a lot of feelings, feeling the feelings, um, but also with a lot of interest just from a sort of behavioural sort of point of view. I found it fascinating. And I think you're right about people scrambling to respond and um, a lot of that it felt like doing it for the for the optics. Yeah, definitely there was a bit of that and I think when, you know, I mean I've been, it's made me think a lot about racism and, you know, I've been on the end of casual racism my whole life um, but to really dig into systemic racism in our country in Australia um, on the back of George Floyd's Um, murder has just been, I think, you know, there's a time for every movement and I'm so happy to see that this time, it's this, the time has finally come. Uh, But yeah, it's definitely been interesting to see how that has, I guess when, I mean, you and I both sit in quite political circles. So Mm. these are the sorts of things that, you know, we've been harping on about social justice and environmental justice, you know, they're really core tenets of my value system. So I see when things hit the mainstream, I don't always like the way that it flows. And I have that sense that I can't control the way that information's Mm. flowing and I don't. um, So I think I just, that's why I just have to step back. um, Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of people um, playing catch up, aren't we? And we're actually watching that. And that is very boring. It to watch. Is, it's really yeah, boring. And frustrating, I imagine. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's but frustrating I, for yeah. Yeah. I think I was also confronting, you know, I've you know, I didn't want to be thinking, oh, I can just be comfortable here because yeah, I've read some books on this stuff. Mm. Um you know, I was confronted by, hey, actually, really, I could do a lot more. Mm. Um yeah. and one of the other things with that whole bind of kind of like what do I say? Is this the right thing? Is silence a better option? Um, you know, that whole uh, discussion. But I think what occurred to me that's a sort of more important question is about listening and actually listening properly, you know. So one of the most valuable things for me um, on social media uh, specifically was to to follow some new people um, that were suddenly more uh, more visible, which was a fantastic thing to come out of all this. Mm. And to just mm. just bloody do some like actually listening, like really listening, reading, investigating, and spending some time doing that rather than just listening to my own voice. Mm. Like how we're doing this podcast thing. and just yeah, talking right shit, now. and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be an overarching theme, really, isn't it? This idea of listening. Um, mm. I feel like it comes up a lot, and yeah, I'm definitely going to be putting some of my energies into learning to listen better, I think, you know. So, yeah. yeah I'm Speaking not, of yeah, energy, Bo. Oh, yeah. So today we thought we'd talk about um, the idea of managing energy and we actually did record a session on this months ago but it was pr- prior to the COVID crisis and it was we felt that we couldn't release it because we were talking about being really busy and managing that and then suddenly yeah, everyone so busy. <laughs> and us we were just out of a job so we were like this is not relatable at this time not so really we thought timely. rather than rather than rehash it i think you know it's nice for us to be able to chat about this again now cuz i do feel like it's it's relevant again for me uh, it's interesting though thinking about it in terms of running your own business because you're always putting the wind in your own sails. You're, you're the accountant and you're doing the marketing, you're doing the sort of general hustling and the networking and then you're actually you're doing the boss the, and the employee. Yeah, and, and the janitor. I don't even know. I think that's American. <laughs> Americans say janitor. I don't know why I say that. Anyway, so you're meeting all these client deadlines and dealing with client personalities and it's a lot to do um, and you do it all by yourself as a freelancer and sole trader. So, yeah, so I think that's an interesting thing for us to talk about today, especially because um, over the last week while I was taking pause um, and just stepping back for a moment because, as I say, like I had to hit the ground running so hard over the last month with work. A lot of um, pressure, huh? Just a lot of pressure of and yeah, yeah, sprinting. And I actually, so then I had this whole kind of crisis of confidence where I was like, this isn't working. It's too much. I can't handle it. And then of course I do this thing where I'm like, right, that's it. I've got to throw in the towel on everything. But then I oh. realized actually, usually just some more tweaking is needed um, and I've obviously hit a bit of an energy edge. So I've actually decided but not you to know, take on. Like, you know what that feels like, don't you? And you know how to recognise totally. it now. And that, is totally. that coming from experience of, of having burnt out or, or definitely really I have, low before? Well, I've had like a, one serious burnout that, you know, has 
took me many years to recover um, physically from, and that was work and stress related. So, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in that. I know a lot of women around my age, I'm 41, um, who have had one or more serious burnout scenarios. And, um, you know, so as I say, I don't think I'm alone in that, um, but I definitely know how long it took for me to bounce back from that um, and how depleted I was. So, yeah, this year I thought um, I've sort of thought through a few different things and I've decided not to take on any new clients for the rest of 2020 because I'm actually booked um, pretty solidly now until the end of the year with a couple of gaps that I'm going to leave just for existing clients. Well, it's quite scary actually. Mm. It's sort of, you know, it's like a, it's a, when you're used to having to hustle all the time and be constantly um, onboarding new clients and uh, that sort of thing. It's a little bit scary to, uh, anyway, I haven't Step started back. yet because this is very, very fresh and very new. I haven't said no to anyone yet, so we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> but you realise, um, Bo, that you've put yeah. the energy into, much energy into those relationships that you have with existing clients and that's why you, you know, because you've done all that work in the past, you can now take a step back and just say, hey, I've built these amazing relationships with these people who want to continue to work with me. So maybe it's not about, it's about recognising the energy that you've put in already. Yeah. And the energy that it takes for um, bringing on new clients versus working with existing clients is, you know, substantially different. So, and it's interesting because, you know, when I am on shoots, my husband always says to me, oh, you know, you don't have to give blood, you know, when you get there. And I'm, I feel that I do. And I feel that um, I really, you know, you, people wait a long time for me to be there and, you know, they're paying, you know, good money that they've saved. And, you know, it might be working on a project that they've been working on for months and months or even years. So, I really do want to be able to be honor that. really present. Yeah, I do. And and realising that has been, you know, being able to therefore take it more as a positive so it's not really about saying no to new clients. It's about making sure that my existing clients, I'm just giving them the full, you know, the full Bo Wong treatment basically because I often think about, you know, we have this sense of, you know, what, I mean, what is life for? Is it so that we can work and work and work until something snaps and breaks off? <laughs> our sanity or our health or our relationships or, you know, like it's just not worth it. And we do talk a lot. The whole idea of Soul Traders podcast has been about this idea of building a business around your life. And that's something that I've been, yeah, just sort of thinking through and yeah, this idea of also prioritizing rest. Like that would be such a, I would, it's almost like Rest has been such a dirty word. It'd just be, you know, actually I think oh, in the everything's past I've about equated it with activity. Being, yeah. With being well, lazy, I see it as being right? lazy. Yeah. And that's really interesting yeah. because it is not being lazy to rest. And coming to terms with that has been huge. And it But you need seems to like almost very- um deprogram because I feel like everything is telling you hustle, grind, work, work, work. You don't get anywhere by standing still. Um, do you know what I found out recently, Bo, which mm. I just found staggering, is that the origin of self-care um, actually 
the idea of looking after yourself and then the term self-care comes from a writer and activist, um, American woman, Audrey Lord, who so she um, considered looking after herself, self-care as a radical political act. So I've got a quote here that I'm going to read out. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare. So basically she saw society as hostile to her very identity, very topical, very relevant. She was a Mm. civil rights advocate, um, activist, among other things, Um, beautiful writer. But I just think that's – that. To me, I found that just so alarming because self-care has been just transformed into this really consumer-focused kind of thing um, from an origin of being, yeah, quite political. What do you think, Bo? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, It makes me think about this Instagram account I follow called The Nap Ministry, which also has... I love that one. It's so good. It connects rest with activism and it also includes a whole lot of stuff around racial injustice and it's really interesting also with an added layer of women. So it's got a gender angle as well. I really enjoy that account and it you know, it's a bit of a permission slip sort of account where you can um, you can look at it and might say, you've done enough today, you can rest. And I'll be like, oh, thanks, Nat Minister. Thanks. <laughs> thanks but they're trying to the reframe this, aren't don't they? <laughs> yeah. um, they're trying to reframe it, it aren't they? It is interesting. Yeah, and especially I think, you know, you maybe and definitely me and a lot of women I know identify as high-achieving or overachieving. Type A. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. whatever the, um, you know, boxes or whatever that kind of personality types and all of that sort of stuff. But I do think that most of the women I know definitely would describe themselves as high achieving and if they didn't, they still think it but wouldn't say it. So they'd be, you know, it's, it's a tenet I think of our culture um, and it's really dangerous for women and, there's, you know, there's elements of, and as you were saying, the idea of self-care, the way it's been turned into some sort of consumer thing where self-care becomes, you know, putting on a How face mask yourself. and doing a detox. It's actually your all nails. about your perception to men and what men, Ugh. what you look like superficially, you know, and Whereas actually. What we're talking about is deep, deeper work, isn't it? Like rest. We're talking about basically. deep work, <laughs> deep yeah. rest. So, yeah, it's, it's deep really, programming. We're deprogramming and I think maybe we should make a little booklet of permission slips, like rest permission slips, and we should just hand them out to people. Absolutely. On post-it notes maybe. Yeah. I think that's so true. I mean I have a a packet of post-it notes that I keep in my car with a pen because I stick them on people's windscreens. If I see they – if they've left a dog in a car (laughs) and the windows are up and it's like more than – five degrees, I get really angry. Oh, so God. I put post, I've always got post-it notes to put on people's cars to let them know that, you know, if I didn't like the way they parked, or I didn't like it. it's really nasty. But Maybe you could, anyway, um, I'm going to turn it use into a those for good. Make it a I'm nice going to use thing. them for good. I mean, I'm going to give people permission to rest. <laughs> could you write something anyway, like, I'm not, you, I should you've worked hard it. today. It's time to, time to have a little rest now. Yeah. That's a good idea. Anyway, I'm going to have to maybe so, get Tommy Bo, to edit that out because that's embarrassing. <laughs> Bo, um, 
I'm really curious. I know that the way you work, um, which is quite unusual, uh, but maybe not anymore with the way that we all work sort of has shifted, I think, a lot in even in 2020. Um, but I know that you do these intensive periods of shoots. You come up to Perth from where you live in the southwest and you do sort of say a week of kind of back-to-back shooting and then you go back home um, for a few weeks and do the post-production, the admin side of your business and obviously see your family and do all the other things that you need to do in your life. So I'm just wondering you know, given that you know that that's how you work in these intensive periods, how do you manage your energy around that? Um, I don't do it perfectly, that's for sure. But I've spent, I've been doing this for nearly seven years. So traveling up to Perth, staying in the Lemon Delicious caravan, um, working what I call a shooting block and then coming home. What I've worked out is that you know, a time frame that works. I've worked out, you know, what's too long to be away from my family, what's too short to be away because it's not enough money, plus, you know, the type of travel that I do. Bringing rest in and real rest, and I don't mean like laying on the couch and watching Netflix, it's like finding ways to really deeply rest has been really hard for me because it's hard to switch off from that high adrenaline zone. So when I'm up in Perth, I'm I've got a lot of you shoots. You have to be in the zone. Even in the evenings I'm um, downloading and backing up, prepping everything, getting all my, making sure my batteries are charged and having everything ready for the next day. So that stuff, you know, I feel like I'm on all the time. When I come home, I also, because I'm in a post-production glut in a sense because I, because I have been shooting for so long that there's always a, a client at least, who's been waiting for nearly seven days. So that's why I created my seven-day turnaround time uh, to cover me it's off. Still because still pretty it tight, was so stressful though. trying. It is tight, but it's also I think it's reasonable. I don't feel that making it any longer for clients, you know, if, if it is longer and they don't have a set deadline, then I'll happily make it longer. But I think it's nice to be clear to people prior to the shoot what's going to be happening afterwards. Set expectations. And yeah, I think so. And if there's a job that they really need an urgent turnaround on, I, I have a fee for that. So if I am working at night while I'm in Perth, I can stick on that fee. I don't feel resentment about that because I'm like, well, I'm being paid for that. I'm happy to do it. And but also what it they understand the value of it. Yeah, well, it sorts out the, I mean, what I find is that for every few people who ask me for an urgent turnaround, um, once there's a fee, it makes it pretty clear what whether the deadline was firm or not. Um, it's not a huge fee. It's $250 um, to turn something around in 24 hours. Um, so it's not when you think about the whole cost of a shoot, but it's enough to stop people from wanting to push forward on something like that. So, yeah, so that's one of the ways that I do maintain my energy is a lot of those client boundaries things. And um, also, you know, I do things like I'm super organised with my food. I have lots of little containers of food that I take it's up. It's huge. I cook I've while seen I'm this. Home. I put You've them got away. Your- your muesli, but your muesli pots. I've seen the little glass yep. jars. It's I've a great got, system. Yeah, I'm basically living out of jars of excellent food all the time up in Perth. So that stuff is key. And, you know, I can't eat hot chips every day and feel awesome at the same time. That's no. not, I mean, I feel awesome, obviously, while I'm eating the hot chips, but then we have something my <laughs> 
my family and my kids, they call it chip regret, which is like it happens quite suddenly <laughs> after you eat chips. Chip shame. And, um, yeah, chip shame and chip shame regret. Shame spiral. Um, yeah, so I'm, those sort of logistical things are huge. Um, that's part of, and you know, it's like, oh, it's so boring talking about this kind of stuff, but this is the stuff of life. And this is what means that uh, gives us the foundation to do what we do. But this is important. This is the thing. This is why I'm asking you because I knew it would come down to some, to some really practical things. And I actually, I think these are the discussions we need to have because people don't talk about this stuff because it's not as sexy as kind of like, I scaled my business into a $1 million (laughs) business in six weeks, you know, but hey, Bo Wong is eating out of jars of food, nutritious, lovely food that she's pre-prepared and hey, she can turn up and honour the work that you've put into, you know, whatever you're doing that she's shooting. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the thing about being a freelancer is that you're the only person who's going to put those boundaries on. So you don't have a boss or an organization who creates a set of rules for you. You know, and I found this around the COVID stuff, you know, I didn't have anyone who was going to say, this is going to be our organization strategy. I had to work out an individual and unique strategy for my own business and for every client that I'm working with. It's the same for everything else as well. So working out what's too much for me and and being able to say, yeah, I mean, it looks like it fits on a calendar, but actually I know that's too much for me and being able to pull that back. And that's definitely experience because I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have just been absolutely flogging myself. Yeah. Yeah. Just more, more, more. And also just that feeling. I think there's a little bit of that when you're a bit newer in your business, you also go, you know, you don't know what your own boundaries are and you don't really know whether people are asking you the things that they're asking you to do, whether they're unreasonable or not. So yeah, I think because that's you something have, I'm a little as a bit freelancer, on. You decide, you decide yeah. what, what they are and what to say. Yeah. But also I don't think you're, I don't think you're very good at saying no in that phase of your business. Yeah, totally. That's true. I mean, it's interesting because that's, I had kids then, little kids and, you know, you always have different things that are limitation. Moving down to Denmark, that was a limitation, you know, and you've, same, you know, you've got little kids now and that's a limitation and you just go, hey, my boundaries have changed. Uh, My energy levels are going to shift and here's now, you know, here's what I can offer. kids, I have always been terrible at boundaries. I am a natural people pleaser. I'm very empathetic. I'm always seeing other people's needs and it's part of why I'm very good at things like writing, which is all about sort of understanding um, how to communicate, right, and being empathetic. Uh, But it it means that I'm just – I'm terrible. And actually having children has really – because it's not about me anymore, just me. It's about other people's needs too, people that I really care about. So suddenly, Mm. you know, if I've got an unreasonable kind of – request from a client or or something that just from the way I've organized things it does just push me over that edge into being too busy or not able to uh, look after myself or my children and it's much easier I can see that line now and I can reinforce it Mm. whereas I I found that Mm. much more difficult before children and it's a different type of cost isn't it because you when you push things too far with especially with little kids, it takes a long time to bounce back and you start oh, to see very those delicate. patterns evolve. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like if you miss a bedtime kind of thing and, and you just see, you know, yeah. my toddler just suddenly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how I feel when I'm overtired too, but it's pretty dramatic <laughs> at age two and a half, I can tell you. I mean, I don't, I, I can sort of imagine I could do a few toddler, you know, throwdowns, you know, Throw where you dummy. just like scream, chuck a, chuck a bit of stuff, yeah, spit the dummy as a grown up. Why not? Um, yeah. So that sort of stuff around being, I guess mindful, but also you do learn, you learn from your mistakes in that area, don't you? I remember um, we were doing a workshop together and you were pregnant with Hugh and you were saying, we we sort of had to sit around, um, this was at Stackwood and it was a photography and social media workshop. Um, I think at the beginning you just said, "If if I leave, I just have to go and vomit. I'll be back. <laughs> and it's just like, because I've, oh, I've had okay, to go, yeah, no go to vomit. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, okay, and I thought well, it was, I thought it was no. worth saying. I think it was a group of mostly women and I think, I think they got it, but, um, it was, I think, because I didn't look very pregnant, but I, but I was very pregnant. Oh, it's that yeah. stage where you just feel like death, but nobody really gets it because you're not obviously <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Do you know what, Bo, I learned so much from that second pregnancy and it was because I had no energy. Like I thought I was tired the first time, but have a toddler and a pregnancy going on at once. And I was just, but do you know what? The same thing. I learned so much from that because that whole, Mm. uh, it just disrupted my whole cycle of just work, work, work. And this is how you move forward. You keep working. Um, And I really had to sit down and look at and just do this sort of audit of my whole life and and the value that I put on the various things I was doing because I mean it didn't Mm. look like I was working from the outside but in fact I was doing something very productive inside my body I was creating Mm. a human life but it took me so long half the pregnancy I felt so much guilt and so much I was giving myself such a hard time about not doing enough because I just had to I had to lie down it wasn't even just kind of mental rest or space like rest Mm. as in you know know just kind of being having a slow day it was I needed to lie down a lot yeah Um, yeah and it taught me so much it taught me actually the best thing to come out of that was that I just had to immediately halve my sort of to-do list and (laughs) I don't think that stuff crossing it those things I just I just was like okay what do I actually need to do what are the things that I need to do that really are impactful and that I cannot mm. get rid of and I can't, nobody mm. else can do them but me. And I have my list. And you know what? Those things have never come back. I have never done them. And all the shoulds, like, oh, I've really got to set up that email list. I haven't done that. I know that it's important. I've done that for other clients and I know that it, I'm always telling people that it's important. I just, the shoulds all went straight away and they just haven't come yeah. back yet. And I, that is just so free, like freeing and liberating. And in fact, mm. I read something recently called the, it's an idea called the Pareto Principle or the 80-20 rule, which really resonated with me. And it's, the idea is that 80% of the impact um, come in your business or your life comes from 20% of of the work or the labour that you put out. Mm. Quite interesting, isn't yeah, okay. it? Um, yeah. Do you I mean, mean do like you impact? Think that factors, 
What as in I don't know. I'm not the, sure what it means. Say by profit. Eighty percent of the sort of profit or okay. Uh, move in terms of moving things forward, moving the needle in the right direction. Mm. Um, twenty percent have- of that of that impact or that kind of profitability or whatever mm. comes. Um, 80% of the impact comes from 20% of the of the work. I mean, we're both terrible at maths. Oh, my God. But you can see what I'm saying. Like as only a small amount of the things that you actually do, in fact, have impact and move you forward. Yeah, I get that. I might have a look at um, thinking about what that could look like because I have heard people talk about that before and I might see if that maybe transposes on top of my business what that well, would honestly, look like. Bo, because, yeah. you should you should look at it but I think you'd be pretty close to understanding what that is because of just mm. pure experience. Um, mm. I read something else about and it was an article in The Guardian, we'll, we'll link to it, because it was this woman who was living with uh, chronic fatigue and she talked about mm. Marie condoing her schedule as in like being a real minimalist about – you know, what could stay and what really was essential. Oh, I love that. I love it's great, I'm, isn't it? I was a really early adopter of Marie Kondo. And um, it, anyway, my whole family make a lot of fun of me because they're constant. I, thrown out a lot of things that I actually need um, and that <laughs> are quite useful, but didn't spark joy. So um, I have circuitously Marie Kondo'd all these other areas of my life, which I found, you know, you start with clothes, which is easy, and you move mm. to these other sections of your house. And I think I did that, it would have been maybe five or six years ago. The interesting thing about it was that it started to overflow. So straight after I did that, I started looking at my email inbox and I was like, Uh, I'm subscribed to all these newsletters and all this shit that I'm not interested in. And it's just clogging my brain. It's just taking Mm, up my eyeball space. So so my eyeball space. Yeah. It's taking up space of my eyeball pixels. So I got rid of that and you know, just taking that, it's one of those things, isn't it? We just, we're constantly moving and then we overextend for a bit and then we've got to pull it in and we have to be able to mm. distill. And again, we talk about this all the time. We come back to our core values, which is what you were saying about, um, you know, having a list and that sort of thing. We do make, we are busy with busyness a lot and being really mindful and really present around the idea of rest is a real skill, which I am not skilled in um, at all, but I am really working hard to flex that muscle now because I see mm. what it looks like on the other side. It's so the amount of energy that I've got, the potency of the way that I function, the efficiency, which I mean, I'm really driven by efficiency. I love efficient things. So it makes, although resting feels like laziness, I know on the other side of that rest that my efficiency is just in optimal, you know, zonage. It's really important. So I'm I'm working really hard on that stuff. Um, Do you know what the way I see it? I see it as minimalism. You know, like yeah. a minimalist schedule and how that feels and what that yeah. looks like. It's kind of like my design yeah. background. Like you want to try and pare everything down to the essentials, and that's where yeah. things become really beautiful and they communicate really well. They they read yeah. really well because you you get past yeah. the clutter. What about well, advice it's a balance, to your isn't it? advice to your younger uh, self? Look, in this area, this I would issue. say that the biggest um yeah on this issue um I would say the biggest thing that I have learned is setting expectations with clients has been huge for me this is one of those topics that 
It's huge for oh, freelancers. Massive. It's huge for sole traders because it's personal and it's professional. So saying yeah. no or creating those boundaries can feel personally quite challenging. So Amy and I have decided that we'll actually do an entire um, podcast on, I don't know what we'll call it, clear maybe communication. client boundaries or clear communication well, or something like that. And we'll do that next week because I think it's really important. And I'd say that, that those sorts of practical things have been the biggest game changer for me. So those, yeah, being clear about what their expectations can be of you and what your expectations of them are. And, you know, that's what makes mm. a really successful long-term working relationship yeah, because as you're well. respecting yourself first yeah. and you're also respecting yeah. them enough to tell them what you need yeah what about you have you got any advice for young amy little I do. You, little young oh. amy <laughs> skipping Tw- through 20 20 something amy in the flowers yeah did look like that <laughs> oh what should i do oh yes i know i'm gonna be a writer or something i would say i love your 20s young voice amy, yeah it was somehow like really high-pitched <laughs> um so high-pitched when you're Anyway, yeah, um, so advice to I your would younger say, Amy. look, I've come a long way um, in the last few years with the pregnancy and pregnancies, uh, amongst other things. And I would say to my younger self, look, you don't win a badge for being busy. You know, there's no like award for that. This isn't Girl Scouts. There's there's no one there that's going to shake your hand and be like, well done, you broke yourself. You know, you ran yourself into the ground. <laughs> Yeah, you don't win a medal, but you don't even get a certificate of participation, which I got nothing. quite a few of those. You get nothing <laughs> except nothing. <laughs> you get nothing except like basically being burnt out, which we both know absolutely yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about the idea of, you know, a, what, are, what were you saying, like a certificate, a badge or whatever, that we somehow, you know, it's, that's something that we would accumulate badges for being good somehow. And I think that there totally. might, I mean, I don't know, I've always got my gender, my gender Is glasses on. Is there a feminist on, so slide to this? I, I was wonder. just about yeah. to say. Yeah. 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 Do men feel yeah. the same way? I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's worth asking the question. Um, so, yeah, should we try to <laughs> listen to some or no? Nah, nah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, again, yeah, no badges, but again, so uh, could we make some badges and maybe, maybe some permission slips, or should we just fuck off the whole badge idea? Yeah, I forget the like badges. badges. I like the post-its. Oh, okay. like I'm going to start okay. doing that. Positive okay. post-its. Yeah, positive. Let's po- not like that. Bose post-its, which you really mean. Um, <laughs> mean to people about their post-its if you get a post-it on your windscreen saying it's okay to rest you deserve it you know who that's from do a little little Denmark and little Frio so yeah let's I reckon the idea of maintaining presence is probably one of the biggest ways that you can manage your energy we live very much in the future and the past don't we we're just I mean that Mm. we're sort of wired and geared that way and running a business you it is hard to be present so I find that creating a space to be present for my clients and being present, you know, being able to look at things in that moment and give it everything I've got is a really, you know, because there really is only now, which sounds like a sort of a cult, you know, and I'm pretty sure there must be some terrible cliched poster that says something like that, but it's it really is true. There really is only now. So we can prepare and we can schedule and you and I are both very organised people and we're both very systems people, but it creates a space, I guess. It's a balance, isn't it, between all the systems and, and being able to be 
really present in what the we do. The freedom so. to be in the moment. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about some other client expectation stuff next week. And um, it's right. been good Sounds to talk good. to you, Amy. See you later. Awesome. Speak soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please rate or write us a review on iTunes. It'll make such a big difference to us. And help us spread the word. Share this episode with friends who are soul traders and freelancers. And you can find us on the gram by searching the hashtag soul traders podcast. And that's S-O-U-L. If you have a question or an issue you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at soultraderspodcast at gmail.com. This episode was recorded on the traditional lands of the Noongar people. 